Welcome to NFP, the Non-Fungible Podcast, with your host, D. Klein. Did you know that one of crypto's best use cases is also a tax-saving strategy? I'm talking about donating crypto to your favorite charity. The Giving Block makes it easy for the crypto community to support important causes with Bitcoin, Ethereum, and dozens of other cryptos. Choose from over 1,200 vetted nonprofit organizations, donate any amount, and then hold on to your tax receipt. When it's tax time, you could save big. Your donation could offset some or most of what you owe on that huge capital gains line. Make smart money moves while making a difference. To learn more, visit thegivingblock.com NFP. That's thegivingblock.com NFP. And let's show the world that crypto is good. Hey, this is NFP, the non-fungible podcast with me, D. Klein. Today's episode is brought to you by the Koi Network. Koi makes minting NFTs super easy and inexpensive. Just drag and drop your file using their NFT wallet, Finny, and Koi takes care of the rest. Minting costs as little as one cent, so you can create as many NFTs as you want. And when they're viewed by other people, you even earn Koi tokens that you can use to fund your next series. Check it out at koii.network. Mary Lee Berman, thank you so much for joining me on NFP. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Looking, you. the funny thing is a lot of times people that I have shows on, guests on this show, I was going to say shows on this guest, I don't know. Uh, anyway, <laughs> a lot of the time when I have guests on my show, the way it happens is I'm just scrolling through Twitter. And I'm looking and I'm like, oh, this looks cool. And you were one of those people where I saw some of your photos and I just DM'd you. I was like, hey, your photos are super cool. <laughs> and I see you doing <laughs> NFTs now. Uh, would you be interested in joining me on NFP? So thank you so much for uh, making time for that. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I appreciate that you reached out. And sometimes, you know, you bet the DM folder has some weird stuff in it, but you yeah. seem like kind of genuine and cool and we had a lot of mutual friends so i felt like yeah let's do it i, I love That's, doing podcasts. you gotta check it's always fun you gotta check the mutual friends you gotta go okay is this person <laughs> following anybody i'm following or you know because it's true you can get so many people you know sending you messages i do like how twitter fixed that now where you have a separate message folder kind of idea where you know you get all the ones who you don't have any connections with in that folder and so yeah. you can go okay you know i need to vet these a little more carefully you know um, like if they're not, if you're not following them, I mean, it makes it a little right. easier. Used to just be a one giant so pile of direct messages, but, uh, yeah. No yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, hopefully the coherent sentences helped, you know, cause that's usually a signal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you didn't call me Mary. <laughs> <laughs> Is that an indicator? I always know that someone, yeah, usually like, I always know either if they call me Mary Lee Berman, no space. Or just okay. Mary. I'm like, okay, you don't know me. Something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's probably just a bot. You know, hello, where are you from? What? Why are you asking me where I'm from? <laughs> yeah. Or like those emails that you get where your name is like a totally different like typeface than the rest of the email because it's clearly yeah. copy and pasted. <laughs> totally. Yeah, it's a problem. I don't know. Maybe in a few years we can sort that out, but we're not there yet. So it's interesting. I was looking, you know, kind of, I always researched my guests a little bit before they come on. And this very interesting little tidbit, tidbit I came across about you was your great aunt, Mary Lee, 
who you were named after, being on the cover of Sports Illustrated for climbing the Matterhorn in Switzerland. I just thought that's so cool. So you've had this kind of outdoor passion passed on from generation to generation. Yeah, it's true. Um, Mary Lee Davy, she was on the Sports Illustrated, I think 1967, I want to say. 55. 1955. Okay. I'm looking straight at right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. She's just very youthful in your mind, I'm sure. So what it is. <laughs> she is in her 90s now um, and she was an avid climber. Um, there's a full spread article about their trek and like the equipment that they use to climb the Matterhorn. Um, so it's always been kind of like a part of my DNA. I think like since I was born, um, my mom was a mountaineer as well. So it's just kind of like in my family to be outside mm-hmm. and to do these big hikes and stuff. That's awesome. I actually do teach some outdoor classes with my students along with another teacher. Uh, I'll admit though, she is far more capable in regards to outdoor skills than I am. I'm a little bit high maintenance that way, I guess you could say. Um, she, <laughs> she, she's the one who's like, okay, you're going to learn how to, you know, chop wood with a knife and a stick kind of idea. It's like, oh, that's cool. Oh, right. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> I'm like, how do you do this? And so I'm learning along with them because it's kind of one of those team teaching things where we teach it together but I'm being perfectly honest. She's the one that's far more skilled with it than I am, but it is, yeah, it is fun. Way, we way do... more than me too. <laughs> oh, you think so? <laughs> it sounds like well, you would yeah. have a lot of outdoor skills though. Maybe <laughs> we'll find out this summer. <laughs> oh, why? What's happening in the summer? Just so you know, it's like in, I'm in Seattle in Washington mm-hmm. and all of the really good hikes are uh, accessible in the summer just because the snow melts and there's all the glacier lakes and the backpacking and, so um, this was the first year where I actually like mapped out my whole summer of like what I would be mm. doing like each weekend and every little bit of free time. Um, and there's a few pretty good backpacking trips in there, but I tend to rely on the expertise of my friends a lot of the time. And like last summer okay. was the first time that I started doing things with other people that were less um, into the outdoors. And so I had to kind okay. of step up and be a little more responsible. <laughs> So I'm them. actually still learning that stuff myself. Like I want to take some, uh, some more kind of outdoor, um, like first aid and, you know, like mm-hmm. make sure that like, just I'm safe. I, I know a lot yeah. of the safe practices, but like, it'd be super helpful to be able to chop wood with a knife, <laughs> and, like, right. you know, be able to do stuff like that, like in case of an emergency, yeah. God forbid, but for sure. Yeah. We live in, I live in Alberta. And probably my favorite oh, place lucky. to go for hiking is Canmore, right? Uh, Banff. Oh, area. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's wonderful. So we go there pretty much every year. We go there at least once. Uh, some Jasper is wonderful as well. In fact, in some ways, I prefer Jasper because it's a little less touristy. Like it's mm-hmm. it's uh, quite a lot more, I don't know, rustic, I guess you could say. I love Jasper. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's so beautiful. And it you're is. right. Yeah, just, it's just, way more chill. Yeah. There's something about the air there that's just amazing. You know, of course, when you get the wildfires, it kind of uh, puts a damper on that. But yeah, yeah, that happens pretty much every summer now, it feels like. Yeah, I know. It's a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I don't want to get be a downer here. <laughs> I know. No, well, the, honestly, with... that's why I didn't plan a lot in August this year. I like right. planned for wildfires, so I'm not going to go yes. anywhere like that was I kind of just left it open. Right. 
because it's just that's been the reality the last few years Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yep yeah it's um i don't know i mean it's funny how you know we talk about climate change and people just kind of go oh it's this far away thing it's like no 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 like look at what's happening around you right now right it's not a far away thing but uh yeah there's a little bit of denialism there still i think absolutely yeah i mean it's it's imminent it's not Mm -hmm. it's not really a secret anymore um but i think some people just they don't want to believe it there's a lot of money reality is a little too tough yeah yeah for sure anyway so i just thought that was really cool that you had that kind of family history you know um with that. Uh, but of course you had a, a long history in photography and in media and working with companies like Google and Microsoft as a designer. And, you know, let's talk about where did that all start? Like, were you starting primarily as a photographer and moving that or as a designer first and then moving into those spaces? How did that happen? Um, I think they were just kind of a, a parallel path and mm-hmm. photography has just always been more of a hobby for me. I got into film in high school. I took like as my like elective, my art elective in high school, I did photography. So I did like black and white film. Um, I lost sight of it a little bit and moved on to more like traditional art. So Mm -hmm. when I first started college, um, I was majoring in fine art. So I did a lot of like drawing and painting. um, And that sort of like became more uh, design because computers became more prevalent. And that was just like the path to take, I guess, if you actually wanted to make money as an artist. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Yes. Yeah. So I actually ended up with a degree in economics and a minor in fine art. Um, Mm -hmm. And then my first job out of school was uh, at this really small company um, that did experiential events and marketing. And we did events for like Bumble and Bumble and Scion and Uniqlo. And we were just this like little scrappy team. And we went all around the US and like parts of Europe and did these like kind of influencer events. And we would bring in contractors as needed. So like different design teams, different production houses, like for logistics. Um, And that was just like really interesting. And it opened up my eye to a whole new medium of creativity that wasn't just drawing or painting I realized that those those aspects of art could be applied to the real world which was super super exciting to me and then just over time as that interest evolved and as technology evolved it went from the experiential events to uh, website marketing Um, I worked at a cool little boutique agency and we did a lot of websites for musicians Um, Mm -hmm. that company ended up getting bought out by, uh, I think it was one of the big ticketing, not Ticketmaster, but another big like event ticketing place where they were doing swag and fulfillment, but we would do these websites in flash. (laughs) So we did like tpain.com, Celine Dion.com, um, -hmm. new kids on the block. So like, I got to meet all these like cool musicians and their managers and, you know, meet them and in LA and stuff like that, which was super cool. And then um, it just kind of like started to kind of diverge into more of like the tech realm. And then I started working at agencies that had clients like Xbox. So I was doing account management on um, retainers that we had for Xbox. So every time new games came out, we were updating the Xbox homepage. And um, then I kind of got connections there. And then they eventually like recruited me. And I was at Microsoft for quite a few years. And then um, just kind of like 
catapults, right? So then, you know, LinkedIn will see that you're at Microsoft and then you get reached out from Google. And then I went to Google and then I was there. I loved Google. It was an amazing job. I stayed there for almost six years. Um, and then I was just more recently um, recruited to Coinbase. And since I had this okay. like passion for crypto and Web3 and NFTs, um, it just evolved into that. And I thought, well, this is like the one time in my life where I have the opportunity to kind of like be uh, at the forefront of something. Like I got to Microsoft mm-hmm. kind of late. I got to Google kind of late. Um, I got interested in the internet kind of late, but this is the first time where I felt like I had the time and space to take a risk in something. Um, so anyway, long story short, they're parallel paths. So like this whole time that I was doing all the design and everything, and as things became more technical, they, they became less creative. And so I wasn't fulfilled creatively. And that's like when I picked up my camera again, because I just don't have like, even to this day, I don't really have like the mental capacity to get into the flow state to paint. And like, sometimes when I'm on an airplane, like I'll get out a sketch pad and I, when I'm like, just strapped, literally strapped to a chair for like eight hours, I'll draw or I'll sketch like pen and ink. But I really have photography is kind of like my, my outlet for creativity. And since I'm always hiking in the mountains anyways, it just was this like parallel track that's always sort of supplemented my creative energy as opposed to it being like a full-time thing. Mm-hmm. You ever dabble with like digital drawing, iPad, that kind of stuff? I, yeah, I find it interesting. I haven't really tried it, but I'm starting to kind of find a merge with that um, in my editing styles. Mm-hmm. So I just took a, um, I did like a one-on-one session with a really incredible photographer his name is mind's eye um and he does these like two hour sessions and i feel like it's a gap for me where i've just been like so uh reliant on lightroom and not really like touching photoshop for photos like i can go in there and do designs just fine or like create grid systems like but when it comes to editing photos in photoshop like i just i don't really know what to do other than like clone stamp and like the basic stuff right like remove elements do some adjustments Mm -hmm. um you know maybe add some like dodging and burning but he was in there doing these like luminosity masks and like all this crazy stuff and uh he's using the whatcom tablet like actually drawing so i was like oh that's actually kind of cool like i could paint my photos um and so that's like why i haven't really been releasing any nfts lately is because i'm trying to adapt my style And the next collection that I do, I want it to have that style adapted to it and just like do this like pretty, pretty solid switch up in, in, in my art. So I'm hearing that you're saying there'll be an element of like photo manipulation to a greater extent in your future work. Would that be fair to say? Um, I, well, yes and no. I I like to think of myself as a realist. Like I have a hard time, Mm. um, kind of manipulating the truth in an image like I really like to say like I was there and this is what it looked like Mm. and a lot of my editing style to date has been me just changing the photo to make it look like the way I saw it in my head and I think like with this new technique that I'm working on it's more of the dynamism in the photo so like making it look a little bit I guess like larger than life but yep. I don't know that I want to go down like the visual artist route and do like big composites or anything like that, honestly, because it's just super time consuming. Um, 
And I just like to have that element of like the realism in the photo. Like this is what it looked like when I was there. Like these, these were the conditions. Mm. And sometimes if a photo really works and like the sky's not quite right, I might replace it. But I always feel so guilty about that <laughs> because it was just like, that's not, that's not the truth. That's not what it was. It feels like you're and lying to the I audience think, in a sense. Uh, I don't think so because I don't judge anybody for doing that. Like I know a right. lot of people that do and it makes the photo look way better. Mm-hmm. But for me, it just feels like, well, what if it, like, I'm just not that good at it. So like, what if somebody could see my masking is off or mm, <laughs> it just like looks fake in some way. I'm like so nervous that I'm going to get called out. And so uh, I just try not to do that. And I just try to capture like these one of a kind moments that are the way that I saw them as opposed to the way that I made them look. And it's just mm. a style preference. Like no no shame in the other route. I just don't claim myself to be a visual artist. So what are some of the techniques that you're using to kind of enhance that element of, like you mentioned, dynamism, that that sense of life in the photo? Yeah, um, I mean, I tend to shoot dark a lot of the times because I'm optimizing my exposure for the sky. So then that makes a lot of the foreground elements more dark. So like just thinking about shooting in multiple exposures so that I can get like some of the different layering effects of like Mm -hmm. getting details in the foreground. Um, And then I've been trying to play a lot more like my style has always been kind of like moody where I like it to look kind of dramatic and I like to desaturate the blues and make the blues kind of more of this like silvery gray and I like my mm-hmm. greens to be more yellow. And now I'm kind of like playing with the idea of just like color, like just like play off of the color and enjoy and like embrace it without making it look super oversaturated, but have it just like have that shifting of the color be um, really nicely balanced, like on the color wheel. So like using some of the um, some of the calibration tools in Photoshop that that basically like when you manipulate one color, it's also manipulating its opposite color on the color wheel. So mm-hmm. you're getting like this kind of contrast effect. And what I've been learning with the luminosity masking is that you can kind of paint in light um, to pull out either highlights, darks or midtones in areas where the photo just feels kind of drab. Like, okay. and the light's actually there in in the, like in the details, like in the pixels, it's there and you just have to kind of lift it out. So like thinking about the editing process as a painting, I think is a really neat way to do it. So you just kind of like map it out and you can draw in with the Wacom tablet, like, okay, I want to, I want the light source to be stronger here. And then like for it to flow in these areas. Um, And that's like, where I'm trying to kind of create, I guess, like the dynamism is like, just kind of like creating more depth. Hey, in cooperation with the Koi Network, I am presenting Atomic Zombies by D. Klein. You can find these at atomiczombies.io. We've got 10,000 zombies that will eventually be available, each with their own set of random generative characteristics. You can watch your zombies' characteristics unlock, emerge, and evolve as they receive more attention online powered by the Koi Network and proof of real traffic. Check it out at atomiczombies.io. The one when you say that that strikes me is um, 
have a piece on foundation called frozen patience that has a mm-hmm. lot of play with a lot of play with whites that turn into grays and bluish grays but then it contrasted with the bold colors of the train as it kind of travels yeah. through the mountains right i'm assuming that's somewhere in bc i would guess british columbia i'm guessing yeah that that's actually in um that's in alberta um okay it's called like i'm gonna mess up the name something like current cove or it's between Banff and, and jasper okay it's so funny because when i when i, when I go yeah, there's a beautiful trips, drive so there tired. for everybody listening that's a beautiful drive going from Banff through to jasper sorry yeah you were saying? i love it i i'm just never driving on these trips mm. <laughs> and we're getting up so early and people are like where is that and they think i'm like trying to be non-disclosing of where these places are and i'm like, I, like, like I don't know really where don't, i really don't know like <laughs> <laughs> I was not paying attention. Those roads can get pretty crazy in the winter up there, though. Yeah. Yeah, they're gnarly. But, I mean, Seattle's worse because Seattle's not. Is it? They're not. Yeah, well, they're just not prepared. So, like, when we had a snow here this winter, it just was an yep. ice rink. Because yeah, we don't shut everything down. We don't do anything about it. <laughs> yeah. I think it'll be melted in a couple of days. Just, you know, just stay home for two days. Yeah. I mean, we definitely <laughs> had some white knuckle driving over the past, like, coming up through. Uh, uh what's it called like cam loops cam loops yep yeah we came up through there and then went through the, the pass and yeah it was it, that was pretty gnarly that's yeah. a scary route in the winter yeah it can be very yeah dangerous. so we did that in january yep very scary but yep. worth it because it was so beautiful and we went up to the we got the train shot Mm-hmm. Um, which I was like dying to get in the winter because I wanted that contrast of like the colors and the, the mm-hmm. kind of like more neutral grayscales with like that pop of red and like really tried to pull out some of that red. Um, mm-hmm. The train, <laughs> the train was going the wrong way. We waited there for so long for that train, and I think because it, it was, was like winter, just west? yeah, I guess Toward so. Mountains. But you can tell because the front of the train is. Luckily, they had like a front looking thing on the back of the train. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes. Yeah, okay. but it was actually the back of the train. Right. And I was just hoping I was like, I am not sitting here. I've been sitting there for four hours. I was like, there better be like something good on the end of this train. Just because mask out the caboose. Stand. <laughs> <laughs> and so the way you can tell is like, there's no headlights on it. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. That would never would have occurred to me. I know. And if I was better at Photoshop, I could have put some on, but <laughs> little <laughs> gotta do stuff like that. Little bloom effect on. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. It's a beautiful photo. I like, I like how Thank you. the light along the snowy mountains kind of you're drawn toward it as your eye kind of follows the, the curve of the train. Right. And then you're drawn into the, the light that's coming down on the mountains, just compositionally. Thank you. Beautiful. Appreciate yeah. that. Those mountains I mean, I, for a lot of the time weren't showing either. Right. Oh, so yeah. Like that really moment was it can be so brief. cloudy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. to get the, the mountains exposed and to get the train coming at the right time, I think it comes like once an hour. Mm-hmm. So if it's not lined up, then you have to wait a whole another hour for it. And it would just all lined up perfectly. Like the clouds cleared for a second. Like 20 minutes later, you couldn't see anything. Right. So we were pretty lucky. And I was like, I'll take it. The caboose, like, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> well, they say artists suffer for their work, right? So can you think of yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, one of your photos that you'd say that's the one I suffered the most for? Is there one you could 
tell me about? Um, well, that's one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there was the uh, shot the volcano in Iceland, um, mm. and I, I was I was happy that it was even still erupting by the time we got there because I think it started in don't quote me on this, but I want to say it started in like April of last year. And okay. I went in July and I was like, oh, wow, it's still going. Cool. Let's go. And in that, like it had been spewing nonstop for three months and we got there, flew in. It was like five in the morning. It was a seven hour flight. We went straight to the volcano, hiked six miles with like no sleep right off the airplane, only to find out that it was the one day out of like the three months where it wasn't active <laughs> and I was just like so salty about it I was like ah <laughs> and but I was so happy to be in Iceland but then we tried it a second time and we get there and it's like raining and it's like wind blowing rain sideways and we stopped a few people on the trail because we couldn't see there's webcams but it was just all smoked out like you couldn't you couldn't see there's no visibility right and we decided our last night that we would try it again. And I just was, uh, I came into it with a bad attitude. <laughs> Stupid. And then again, like another six <laughs> miles and it was so windy. I was like, I'm not even going to be able to get my drone up. Like just such a grouch and ended up being the best experience probably of my life. Like it was so cool, wow. but I only popped the drone up one time because I only had one SD card. So I was like, well, I'm going to go up there. I'm going to get what I can and I'm going to just count my losses if I didn't get anything with my one card yeah. and so I bet, I yeah, I bet there's up. a lot of people who lose drones up there just from the heat I would imagine yeah I've seen that they get a little they get a little too close and the the sensors get melted and I lost mine yeah. for a little bit you know and I just Did was you? like ah, I think it's I think it's coming home I can't see anything <laughs> and the wind was insane and mm. like as I was putting the drone away it was um, a wind gust came in that got made the propeller spin just as if it okay. were in flight as I was like shutting it down and it like sliced all of my fingers across. And so the whole no hike back, I was like dripping, like gushing blood out of my fingers. Wow. Brutal. Yeah. You So it yeah, you brutal. suffered, suffered for those pieces. That's on foundation. You've got a couple of them. You got the fire and ice and you got the beautiful chaos pieces. I'm assuming those are both in Iceland. Yeah, those are from the same uh, the same shoot. Um, one of them I, I I did as a private sale because uh, someone wanted a similar shot, and so I just mm. put up a different one. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's awesome. why there's two. I normally wouldn't do that, but um, mm -hmm. the collector that bought it bought two pieces, and so I gave him like a custom piece. Right. So we talked about hiking and loving hiking. Favorite hikes? I think my favorite ever hike I've ever been on is. Uh, the Kalalau Trail in Kauai. I think that's a good choice. That was a phenomenal hike. It was way longer than I was expecting. A friend of mine's like, oh yeah, it's a beautiful walk. It's like an hour and a half. Okay, so <laughs> I'm like, okay. So we take like, we take like a water bottle. We're like, this will be fine. So we start hiking and it ended up being like almost three hours because we stopped and, you know, look at stuff and everything, right? And then, and then you have to go back down again too. And so I just oh remember gosh. being like so thirsty by the time we got back to our That's car. It's hot there too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Favorite trail, favorite hike. I'm curious. Um, my favorite hike would probably be Jade Lake 
up here in Washington. Um, mm. One one beautiful thing about quarantine was that I actually spent a lot more time here in Washington, like where I've lived mm. most mm-hmm. of my life. And I always felt like I needed to go really far to see beautiful things. But I realized that a lot of the same stuff, if not better, is like right here in my backyard. And right. there's this hike that I'd been wanting to do for so long. Um, and it's it's 25 miles round trip. Um, so we did two nights of backpacking. We were going to do three, oh, wow. but okay. we got fogged out on the third day. Mm-hmm. But it was just like such a wonderful hike with like lots of ebbs and flows. And you go through uh, like these beautiful mountain meadows with like wildflowers and streams. And then you go through like, it just had so much variation. And then it kind of gets up through, there's like a mile and a half of this intense rock scramble, which I did not Mm -hmm. appreciate. Um, And then you kind of go through this last little meandering trail up to the most crystal blue alpine lake that you've ever seen it just was Mm -hmm. amazing with all these like purple wildflowers and there's only a few camp spots so the people that are up there are just absolutely vibing right like we were just having like such a good time and then if you can you can go another mile and a half up the glacier into a lake called pea soup which is basically just like this it looks like a bowl of pea soup and it's just like it's actually not green it's a this like aqua and okay. it's so far mm-hmm. up that there's no trees. It's just all um, rock. So you get like the gray rock, the white snow caps, and then the blue. Mm. And um, we unfortunately didn't make it because we got there the first day and we went the wrong way. And so Oops. we ran out of time to get oh, there see. before the light went down. And it was super sketched to like do that in the dark. So we Mm -hmm. waited for the next morning, wake up the next morning, and we were just completely socked in with fog. It was like there's zero visibility. And so we ended up going back, but just going to Jade Lake. And on the way up, you go through Marmot Lake. And there's just like so many people up there that are just so happy. There's no Mm -hmm. service, no phones, just like so pure, so pure. Away from everything. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then Mount Rainier is always cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. The natural quiet and Rainier is always a good, you know, there's so much to do up there as well. It's funny though, looking at some of your photos on Instagram and there's one where at least one, uh, there's probably others, but I saw one where it's a beautiful scene. I'm assuming it's the Grand Canyon and it's this scene where you're kind of peeking through a rock formation. There's a rock formation above and below and you're looking through to the Grand Canyon and then you pan over to the side. It's serene, it's beautiful, calm peaceful mm-hmm. and then you pan over and there's this huge throng of oh the real cameras and <laughs> you know, it's like so you portray it as this kind of peaceful serene scene but in reality it was bustling with people. yeah yeah that was mesa arch in moab mm-hmm. utah oh, okay, okay and okay. i i really want I actually never been to the grand canyon believe it or not what um, okay yeah i don't know why <laughs> i don't know why um <laughs> So you I gotta go one on one of those helicopter October. tours. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I saw that you can do I've that. I almost one. did they're it really when fun. I was in Vegas. Yeah, yeah no, I they, should do that. Fun. Yeah, yeah. My That'd advice really to you fun. would be, if you do kids. it, my advice would be go. There's an area called that's uh, owned. I believe it's, I'm not sure if I'm saying the name correctly. The Hualapai Nation, I believe it is, and that side of the Grand Canyon. You know how like the state park side has all like rails and like 
you cannot get anywhere near like any kind of ledges or anything because they're all railed away. But the Hualapai Nation areas, you're much more free to kind of walk around and get closer to kind of more for photography purposes. It would be better, right? Cool. Um, so that's, I would recommend that based on my own personal experience. I mean, maybe you'll differ, but I just find, yeah. found that that was, you were able to get closer to seeing the magnificence of it, I guess you could say. Because when you're standing back, you know, a hundred yards from a ledge, you don't get the same feeling of the depth of the canyon as you do if you can be that much closer. Right. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to make that happen. <laughs> yeah, helicopter tour um, is really fun. I went with a friend of mine. We loved it. Yeah, no, I totally would do that. I saw that they had them when I was in Vegas. You could fly a helicopter mm. tour and like have a picnic at the Grand Canyon with a heli. I was like, oh man, that sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did but one where you take you in a helicopter. Oh, okay. We did one where you take yeah. the helicopter down into the canyon. They land in the canyon. Yeah. And then you and then you get in a boat and you go down the Colorado River. And it was oh. it was beautiful. I loved it. Yeah. That well, nice. it was kind of a yeah. whole day thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, I'm here for that. That sounds so fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't actually been to Moab though in Utah. So Moab was cool. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, the Mesa Arch was something I'd been wanting to see, and like in all the mm. photos I'd I'd seen, it would look so quiet, and serene. And mm. we got there, planned it out to be there at sunrise. So got up, you know, like whatever four in the morning, drove an hour. You don't really have to hike much. It's like, I don't know quarter of a mile it's not far from the parking lot mm -hmm. and I was shocked how many people were there at five in the morning I was <laughs> um, actually my boyfriend has a video of me where he's like filming the look on my face because I was <laughs> again like I was super salty <laughs> I was just like what is this and I don't have like any problems of like enjoying nature with other people. Like I'm super social. I love people, but I just think I, I created this false expectation in my head that we were going to be there by ourselves because we got right. there so early. And it was literally like just a line of tripods. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not even going to get the shot. Like I can't like, unless I'm going to be a total jerk, but then at the same time it's COVID. So like, I'm not going to get that close to people. I don't know. And right. they're not wearing masks. And I was like, what is happening? And the funniest part about it was like at the peak of the sun. So like the shot that you get is like the sun comes up and then it, 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 it radiates through the arch and then you get the right. little light burst, like, right. And everyone was gone. <laughs> I was just they like, left what are you then? guys doing? Yeah. It was like, you just came here to like hang out in the dark. Like, what are you doing? Like, it was so weird. And like, by the time the light was perfect, we had the whole place to ourselves. I was, I was so confused. Weird. Huh. It was bizarre. I know. And so then at the end, I was like, great. We got like tons of pictures, like in front of the arch and like got uh, like every variation of the sun flare coming through. And I was like, so confused. But I was, I was grateful. I was like, good. Everyone left. Yeah. Before we get into NFTs, I just wanted to ask you about some of your work with some other amazing photographers. Like one of them that I saw you mentioning was, let me look up the name. I don't want to miss the uh, Steve McCurry. Better, you know, the National Geographic Afghan girl photo. This was a person mm -hmm. that you worked with when you were working with Microsoft, I believe. Mm -hmm. Right. And you went, to, I believe it was New Zealand you went to. Mm -hmm. uh, so 
can you talk about your what you learned you know working with these other great photographers yeah um gosh steve mccurry is an absolute legend um so when i worked at microsoft i was um working on the design team for uh like the apps and mm -hmm. Everyone knew that I was like really into photography and like I always loved any opportunity I had to work with marketing and this project came up and they were like, Mary Lee, like I want you to art direct this project. This is your, this is your realm. And I was so pumped and they just basically just gave me an, an unlimited budget mm -hmm. and they were like, hire a photographer, come up with a plan and go do it. And so I like pulled a list of photographers of people that I really wanted to work with. Um, one of them was Steve McCurry. Um, and then I also was pitching so hard for Ruben Wu. Um, and I actually wanted to hire him because I was like, he's like a little bit less well known and his stuff is just okay. like out of this world. And now, you know, you see him and he's just like so successful in the NFT space. Um, but Steve was amazing in a lot of different ways, right? Like he's very traditional. Um, negotiating the contracts with him was so hard because he was like, I don't give my copyright over. And so mm -hmm. we had to like negotiate like ways to get the license to the images in perpetuity because we used it for, I mean, it's still on to this day, you can see it on windows. Like it's still the background images. Right. Um, so I put together the short list and I pitched it to our executive team and um, they all chose Steve because he was sort of like the Afghan girl. And it was like the one thing that everyone could relate to. And it was like a hard yes. Um, and so I get on a phone, contact Steve's agent, like get on a creative call with him. And he's just like, yeah, sounds great. So where do you guys want to go? And I'm just sitting there like, man, I'm on the, uh... on the call with Steve McCurry. <laughs> I have unlimited budget. I can go anywhere in the world <laughs> and we chose New Zealand because it has a, like a very large breadth of landscapes. And I think we had sure. to shoot in February. So we had to go somewhere where the weather was good, where we could get lakes, ocean, mountains, no waterfalls. I guess we did get one waterfall, but we just basically like did nine days in New Zealand. We had a private helicopter, six passenger doors off helicopter. Wow. Um, we stayed in these like super weird remote places and met like, all kinds of cool people. Um, we didn't sleep and it was just me and the production crew on the ground and Steve just in this helicopter it was amazing. And the concept behind it was uh, uh, like leaving a human trace. Um, and I forget what the tagline around it was. Hmm. Something about doing, like not just like viewing, but doing like people who do. Mm -hmm. And so like in every photo, we tried to put like a backpack or put a footprint in there or something that would show that this place is like, it's um, uniquely pristine and beautiful, but also like accessible, like you could probably go right. there too, you know, um, and Steve was great to work with, like he taught me a lot about like how to prepare for a shoot how to compose the shot, like patience and sitting there all freaking day with your tripod in one place just to get every single exposure of the scene. Mm -hmm. So he would just kind of go around and like look for the composition. And then he just plops his tripod down. And then he has another one that's handheld, but he leaves that one so that he can get the shot that he's like perfectly composed. And he just gets right. it for, with every bit of the light. And, uh, and then he just like also like shot for options too. Like, so the, the elements in the frame that we'd put like the backpack or whatever, we'd put it in different, you know, just so that we had, by the time we left, like he taught me, like, if you're, if you're here, 
if you flew to New Zealand and you're in a helicopter and you're doing all this stuff, like you need to get the shot. You need to get every yeah. variation of the shot. And he has his assistant handing in the lenses and um, yeah, it was, it was, it was cool. Um, so to get down to that one shot that you go, yeah, this is it. Like how many shots are you going through to get to that point? You think? Oh man, we filled up so many hard drives and I think we ended up with nine um, and we just sort of like went by location and mm -hmm. looked at the ones that we felt like were the best. And then we went through like the whole editing process. And I was a little bit surprised. Like he's, he's such a baller. Like he doesn't even edit his own photos. He has a whole entire wow. editing team that he works okay. with that does all of his like production with him for commercial shoots. I'm guessing he does his own editing on some things. But for this, he um, he had a team of editors. And so we basically just went through and picked the ones that we liked. And then we did a proposal with our executive team. And then they just kind of like made the call. And mm -hmm. then we edited them and we shipped them. I guess what I mean is like, you know, for like, I'm just looking at a shot that was with Steve McCurry in New Zealand. And I'm wondering like mm -hmm. how many actual pictures were captured in order to finally come up with this final piece? Oh, 500 probably. Right, wow. A lot. Okay. We yeah. spent the entire last day in New Zealand in the hotel in the conference room, just going through every single photo and putting the stars, like rating them. Mm. And it took it took a solid, like probably two weeks just to wh whittle it down to what we did. Mm. You ever just, have any trips had to, where, like, you're, where you're like, nope, none of it's good enough. Have you ever had that happen? Yeah unfortunately yeah, yeah. and I, I i try so hard to make feeling. stuff work mm -hmm. it is you know it's a lot of like it's a lot of work but um i feel like my past self would just be like edit stuff and throw it out like even on social media and now like i won't do that like i haven't posted anything in a while because i just don't have anything okay. and i used to just kind of like want to just pump pump stuff out and now it's like i have a higher bar of quality where i'd rather do less better than just yep. like put out whatever I got just because I went somewhere. And I mean, especially in Washington and anywhere in the mountains, to be honest, it just, it's like, you, you don't know, you could go somewhere on a clear summer day, get up to Mount Rainier and you could not even see the mountain and you mm. wasted a whole day. Right. <laughs> it happens all the time. Yeah, yeah. 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 Let's talk about, you have a collection on open sea as well called Swiss dreams. Do you have other collections on open sea in addition to that? No, that was my one collection. Yeah, I thought so. Um, okay. it's, a, it's a small but mighty collection, 10 images from Switzerland. Uh -huh. um, I think I put that out in August. I was on a sabbatical last summer, and that was when I like went headfirst into NFTs. And I knew I was going to have to go back to work in September. So I was like, okay, I got to get this collection out. And so mm -hmm. I did 10, 10 photos from my five trips that I've had to Switzerland. Um, kind of like stemming off of my great aunt and my story and I just felt like a good sure. intro into like the space and um it sold out in like 30 minutes it was awesome like wow I actually okay. messed up the open sea timing and I wanted them to like push out at three and I scheduled them for two because it was on like mountain time <laughs> okay and I I like just all of a sudden I just got all these emails like your items sold and I was like what's happening and I just <laughs> I was gonna do a space was that your first <laughs> experience with selling nfts then yeah, I had I had put one on foundation in May, right. 
Okay. That just sat there because I made the mistake that I think a lot of us make is like, we just like throw something up without building a community or connecting to an audience mm -hmm. or knowing how to market or promote yourself. So I was just like, cool, I have a foundation and I'm going to throw this up. And then, you know, surprise, it sat there for six months. And it wasn't until my collection sold that I got noticed, right? Because right. with my collection, I was, I had spent a lot more time in the space. I'd build following. I made a little video, I dropped a photo every day, I promoted it in spaces, I was talking about it. Um, and it sold out super quick. I mean, one, because it was only 10 images and two, mm -hmm. they were only 0.1, so they were super affordable, but I just wanted to yep. get my work out there. And yep. um, the pin that I have on my Twitter now is basically um, promoting for secondary um, because right. I sold out on, out on OpenSea and then I sold out on foundation and I kind of wanted to add some value to my collectors by getting some sales on secondary, which I have not done yet. Mm -hmm. And so that's another reason for my pause in like putting anything new out was because I don't want to oversaturate my work. I want like to create some scarcity and with my new yep. mindset of like only putting out my best work. I want to like try to flip that for the people that bought it, they can make money and then it increases my floor. So my floor price now on foundation is 0 0.55. And mm -hmm. I have stuff on OpenSea right now that's at 0 0.2, 0 0.3 because mm -hmm. I sold it at 0 0.1. And so I'm trying to kind of push that a little bit more. Yep. And you have one um, listed at exactly, 0.45 here is one of them. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, maybe yeah. 0.4. Um, and so in a, in a week from today, I'm actually going back to Switzerland um, mm. I'm going to go to the Matterhorn again. Um, okay. and there's a, there's a hotel that has the photo of my great aunt in, in the lobby. So I'm going to go cool. check that out. Um, and I'm going to sh hopefully shoot my best work ever and do a uh, Swiss dreams collection part two. So depending wow. on what I get while I'm there, I'm only there for eight days. Um, but we have like a pretty cool agenda and hopefully I can get some really good stuff. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's awesome. So was it a, a photographer that got you into the whole NFT space? I'm, I'm, I'm curious because, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of people coming from the traditional space, when they first hear about NFTs, there's a lot of negativity tied to it. Surely you've had some yeah. kind of negative reactions here and there with it. Um, not outwardly. I'm nope. sure that there's okay. some people like when I promote stuff on IG every now and again, and I've kind of paused from doing that because it's just not the place for it, to be honest. Right. Okay. Um, I mean, there might be people that have unfollowed me or something, but like, I don't pay attention. Frankly, I don't care. I'm like, whatever, but no one's outwardly been like, this is stupid. Like everyone right. has been okay. super supportive and um, proud to see that I've like put in the work and time to like make these sales and like learn a new space. So it's been, it's been overwhelmingly positive for me. I've, I've seen the converse for other photographers and most of the times that I've seen that are people that were on Twitter for a long time before NFTs. Right. And then they switch over and like some of those more old school people are just like, Oh no, like not you too. But like, I don't think I was established in that way. So okay. I kind of came into it into Twitter, especially in clubhouse, like with the perception that I'm like an NFT artist. I see. Okay. So I didn't make sense. the switch. Yeah. Because right. I do the photo thing on, on IG and mm -hmm. the NFT thing on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. 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 That makes it easier in some ways. Hey. Yeah. So was it, I was asking kind of in the mix there, like, was it another photographer who kind of let you in on the idea of NFTs or how did you learn? Oh, right. 
I was like, I feel like there was part of the question. It was mixed into the question a little bit. <laughs> Two questions in one. <laughs> um, yes, there was. My, my main... So I got into Twitter actually a little bit before NFTs. It was like right around the same time because mm -hmm. IG has been sucking and like people were like, Twitter's way better. So I was on Twitter, but then shortly after NFTs became a thing. And so I'd heard of it. Like I, I was like understanding that they were something that existed. Mm -hmm. And then I have a friend of mine who here in Seattle, um, known him for years and years, amazing business guy. He runs a Seattle interactive conference. He owns like tons of companies, an SEO company, like bars, clubs, clothing brands. Yeah. Like the dude just is in everything. And he has helped me as a consultant a lot, like on my business strategy. He did the SEO on my site and I came to him and I was like, Brian, I really need to like get more traction to my website. Like I want to optimize for um, selling prints and getting commercial bookings. And he was like, yeah, yeah, totally. Like, well, like really, like, where do you want to focus like most of your energy? And I was like, well, I don't know, I guess like prints and bookings, like what else do photographers do, you know, like licensing. I was like, but I, I don't want to do like really influencer stuff. Like I want to work with big brands and I want to, mm -hmm. them to like license my content and pay me like what I'm worth because I'll, this will never be a full-time job for me until it can match what I make in tech, which is really far off. Right. So that's right. why I don't let go of my, my tech jobs because I just, it don't, it won't pay the bills with my current state. Yeah. Mm -hmm. which is like, I'm working towards that, but I'm also like single. And so it's like, I have to kind of support myself and my family on my own. And so my friend, Brian, he's like, man, have you ever heard of NFTs? And I was like, no, tell me. And he just like dropped knowledge on NFTs because <laughs> he was doing it on the music side. Cause he's like okay. really into music. And like, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I just kind of, he put a bug in my ear. And then I was like, trying to get a foundation invite. And then I had a photographer, this guy named Jeff. Um, we were friends on IG and he had like converted into doing NFTs and he was working so hard to get me a foundation invite. He was so sweet. He like <laughs> kept sending me tweets and Those were really I just kept asking. <laughs> it was, and you had yeah. to just like put yourself out there. And I was, yeah. I was like hitting the pavement. And then finally somebody <laughs> gave me one. I remember I was in Hawaii and I was like, yeah, this is so great. Um, so my friend Jeff was like super supportive in like getting me started, um, which I really to this day, like appreciate so much. And then a couple other like photographers, um, like Michelle Lee, she um, is an amazing like portrait photographer, owns a creative agency. And she's like supported me on IG, even on my like personal account, like <laughs> for so long. And she was in the space and um so I already had like some pretty solid connections when I first started, which was awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. It's funny when I look at your uh, Instagram, I notice one of the links in it is for Allbirds, which are by far my favorite shoes. I just <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, they're I work so comfortable. With them. Dude, they're they're like pillows. Yeah. yeah. What's your Those connection with Allbirds? Yep. Um, I am a brand ambassador. Um, so okay. it's called the all good collective. And so I just help them build their community and, um, do like in-store events and I do some shoots for them and, okay. um, they give me a lot of free stuff. And so I just like wear and promote the clothes and then do some commercial shoots and yeah, we should be doing more in-store events, yeah. but it's been kind of hard, but we were able to pull one off. 
um, last weekend to do like an in-store like yoga event because they're getting yoga okay. mats. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've just like kind of connected them with some other creatives. And um, mm-hmm. so, yeah. For those I'll listening, I'm not them. sponsored by Allbirds, but they are the most <laughs> shoes. <laughs> they are. I actually have a pair of slippers on my feet right now. <laughs> oh, nice. Awesome. Their slippers are yeah, so I have three cozy. or four a pair. I have a, a pair of like the wool ones for winter wear. And I have a couple yeah. of the, you mentioned the tree dashers, a couple of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, they're like awesome. walking on clouds, like for real. Yeah, it's they're true. So they're like super light and airy. And yeah, they're mm-hmm. awesome. I'm going to go get a yeah. new pair um, probably. Actually, tonight, I'm going to go stop by oh, the nice. store and get a new pair for Switzerland. Oh, of course. Because I absolutely destroyed. I like all white shoes, but I just totally destroyed them. <laughs> that is the one downside of white <laughs> shoes. It's true. I do have a pair of white yeah. Allbirds. They are not white anymore. <laughs> no, they're not. Yeah. 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 I, I just wanted to maybe wrap up with, you know, what are you hoping to see happen here in the next little while? Obviously, you've got the Swiss trip figured out i'm guessing you know but any longer term plans you're looking at for your nft Um, career yeah so i i'm hoping that i can get some good content for a new collection for swiss dreams part two that i'll put on foundation um in september i'm going to mongolia for two weeks so i want to do something around that that and kind of stretch my skills as as to like some of the things i learned from steve and do a more editorial aspect to try okay. to shoot some of the the villages and the people and like get those little moments in between. Mm-hmm. Um, and then aside from that, just doing my normal kind of like Alpine Lakes hustle, go to some conferences, I'll go to NFT NYC. Um, mm-hmm. And June, right? um, I'm working on, yeah. yeah, it's in June. Um, and actually like in the more near term, um, I'm working on launching Coinbase NFT. So that's pretty much all yeah, I yeah. have tell time me, and space for. Tell me for. about that part. I, I, I should have asked you, what's your part in that? Um, I'm working as on the design team, um, mm-hmm. helping to kind of operationalize and create some structure into the way we work with our rapid growth and, um, you know, make sure that what we're launching is on par with like what our, what our executives are expecting and what the, our audiences are expecting. Um, we're doing some work that I don't know if I can disclose with creators, which is really exciting. So um, yeah, I, I, I can't wait for all of this to kind of come to fruition and have some of the work that we've done uh, for promotions and marketing and like the blood, sweat and tears that I've put into it since last September. Um, come to life so those people that are getting kind of impatient for coinbase nft i can assure you it's coming (laughs) and we're just taking our time to make sure we do it right it's a pretty big undertaking and i mean when i look at you know say for example OpenSea, you know probably their biggest challenge was being more popular than they could handle right so it would make sense that you would want to be in a situation where you have a fairly robust um system in place before you rush into things and just launch something that's yeah and i mean that said too i mean it is an mvp so it's it, it will not be perfect um and it'll be a closed beta so there won't be okay. and it'll be us only so oh, no. i mean there's a lot of scaling I'm in canada i'm gonna need to use a vpn i know my canadian <laughs> homies are real sad about that but honestly the wait list like i don't even get priority on the wait list i'm like numbers i'm like sixty thousand in the queue like and i like have worked on it tirelessly <laughs> I, for months I put and myself I, like, on the no wait list a while ago <laughs> yeah if it's us only yeah, it'll be so, a while longer i guess <laughs> well i mean it'll definitely I, I don't know i mean it's gonna roll out like but we're starting right. you know we're, we're starting small and building and 
-hmm. I think for a company that's as, you know, well-known in the industry as Coinbase, it also gets like a lot of flack, you know, as not being, you know, being a certain way. Um, But it's, you know, we got to be careful. We got to do it right and take our time. And so, you know, it's been a bit of a moving target, but it's happening. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, kind of comes with innovation though, right? You're going to have things come up that you don't anticipate or problems. I mean, that's to be expected. Yeah. And I mean, it's just tough because it's, it's a rapid growth company. So like every meeting you sit in, there's a new face, if not two, sure. you know? So yeah. we're all just kind of learning as we go. I mean, at Coinbase and in Web3. And um, yeah, so I do have to say that all my opinions are my own, not my company's. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's worth saying. But yeah, so um, I'm excited. It's going to be super awesome. And I'm really stoked to be like at the beginning of NFTs and to be at the beginning of crypto, um, working at a place like Coinbase and just like the opportunities just from that have been huge. And sure. I just, I can't wait to see what the next like couple of years do. Um, yeah, yeah. have a lot of little projects underway with some people at work or like through that I've met through work. So um I'm really hoping that, you know, it is kind of a means to an end and just doing my own thing in, in due time. Yeah. So we'll I guess see. the long-term thing might be fully immersing yourself in the NFT side of things, you know, and maybe just creative. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I do want to kind of, uh, detach myself eventually from corporate world. Like right now I'm mm-hmm. super happy. I love it. But I'd say like, as like a five-year plan, um, I'd like to kind of, ramp up on the creative side and become my my own business owner um yep i wrote a business plan uh did it uh, for a year i've been working on a plan i just uh i'm not at a place to like execute it at the moment but i do have a a really solid idea of what i want to do in the future Mm -hmm. that i will probably start making a reality this year at least slightly that's awesome yeah exciting things yeah. Very cool. Thanks exciting. so much for spending the time <laughs> with me. Like, again, you know, I just, when I just, I saw the photos in a Twitter feed and I'm like, whoa, these are really cool. So thank you for your beautiful you. work. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate your time and for chatting with me. And um, I do hope we stay in touch. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Hey, good cool. luck with your future work here and your Swiss dreams too collection. And <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I hope cool. I get some good shots. Yeah. All right. Take care. Hopefully some good ones. Yeah. All right. Have a great day. <laughs> you too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening to the non-fungible podcast. See you again soon.